Anyway, so we're in uh, Deuteronomy. Oh, no, we're in Genesis. Genesis 41. Oh, man, I think I said the wrong thing. So who can tell me uh, what did we learn last week? Where was Joseph at? Prison, man. I'm glad that wasn't me because, you know, you're up, you're down. He gets sold in or thrown into the pit. Oh, but that's not, it, it wasn't bad. He got uh, rescued and pulled out. Oh, but he got sold into slavery. Oh, that's bad. Oh, but he gets down there and then he becomes uh, the head of Potiphar's household. Oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, but then he gets charged and going back into prison. Oh, that's bad. You know, how many of those does it take for you to go, I'm done? And that happens to us in our Christian life. Uh, we have things happening. It's all, man, you're on the top of the mountain. Life is going great and everything is just wonderful and then the bottom falls out. Oh, man, what am I going to do? I'm done with this. And we want to give up. But what, is, what did Paul say? We are to be uh, the sheep of Christ. And what do sheep, what are sheep uh, raised for? Slaughter. Slaughter. Sacrifice. So anytime that uh, Yeshua needs us, he can drop the rug out from under us or the floor out from under us. And we've got to be able to handle it. And we've got to be standing on our, we've got to read scripture to be able to stand on it to, uh, to still say, I praise you, God, and I give you praise. Even in my sorrows and my hard times, I'm going to keep on praising you. Um, the name Joseph, who gave him the name Joseph? Who was he named by? Was it uh, Isaac? Uh, was it his mom? It was by Rachel. Why? She was childbearing, right, for a long time and couldn't have any children. Here's Leah, man, she's popping them out left and right. Yep, no worries. I got this. He'll love me now. And Rachel finally has a child and she names him Joseph, which means increase. So, um, Leah names all of her children, and um, so who normally, and I was going to uh, see um, Chris and Emily was going to be my help today, and they decided to have this convenient excuse of having a baby. Who uh, imagine? Anyway, but I was going to tease them and ask them, who named uh, Isabel Grace the name? And he told me last week, but I'll let him tell you. But anyway, who normally names the child? Is it the mom or the dad? And does the name mean anything? It used to. And in, in this time setting, this period that we're discussing this morning, names meant a lot. And uh, Joseph's name meant increase. Uh, of course, we know what um, Isaac and uh, Jacob, um, you know, their names all had meaning to it. Uh, even Esau. But normally, it's the mom, I mean, the, uh, the father who would uh, try to name or the mom who would normally name the child, not the father. But we're going to see a twist today. And then, so Joseph's down, he's up, he's down, he's up. And he gets pulled back out of prison again and gets made a viceroy. What's a viceroy? You know, I'm from L.A., um, from Miss Maggie. That, that's not the Los Angeles over there. Uh, L.A. is lower Alabama down here. So... And I'm from L.A. I've never heard of Viceroy. What in the world is that? Basically, it's just second-hand man in charge. Um, so he's in prison last week. And who's in prison with him? Baker. Baker. Candlestick maker. <laughs> Candlestick maker. 
I'll remember that one. But uh, the cupbearer, uh, the wine tester, and not sure why they got tossed into prison, uh, what happened. And I've read some uh, the rabbi commentaries or whatever. It could have been a fly that got into the wine, uh, the, um, the cup bearer, the, uh, the cup of wine, and bearer just blew a gasket and said, throw him into prison, out of here. And, uh, you know, can't help that. But um, So we really don't know exactly why we do speculation or whatever. But anyway, so they get tossed into prison. What, what happens to them while they're in prison? Dreams. Oh, do we have anybody that knows anything about dreams? How about Joseph? Yeah. Has he, has he ever interpreted dreams before or had any dreams? You forgot who it was before? It's in your head. You just can't pull it out. I know I have that problem too. So uh, a lot of things in my head that probably should come out. Anyway, that's another story. But uh, so, yes, Joseph... Um, <laughs> Joseph is gifted with um, being able to interpret dreams, but how? Where does he get this gift from? God. Does he make mention of God and give God the praise for it? He does. Do we always give God praise for the things He gives us and blesses us with? Mm, that's a that's a rhetorical question. So uh, so yeah, he has this gift of being able to interpret dreams, and um, you know he had some very significant dreams as a young child. How old was he when he uh, got tossed into the pit and sent off? 17. So 17 years old. Is and then he lost all of his freedom. And how long was it before he gets restored and pulled out of prison? Y'all all read the uh, chapter 41, what, right? Oh, good, you didn't. Good. Then I'm, I'm safe. But uh, if you did, help keep me on track. But yeah, it was 13 years he was in prison. He was 30 years old when they pulled him out, and he became the viceroy of uh, Egypt. I started to say Israel. No. What did uh, Egyptian? How did uh, Egypt look upon Hebrews or people from Israel? Well, they weren't as slaves. They, uh, this was before they became slaves. They thought they were just nasty old sheep herders and. Uh, looked down upon, didn't really hold him in high esteem. So um, now we got this Hebrew boy who is uh, interpreting dreams. How good is he at uh, interpreting the dreams for the cupbearer and the, the baker? 100%. So a prophet, uh, what do you do with a prophet? How do you know a prophet is accurate? If all of his uh, prophecies come true, what about if he misses a couple? Nope. Nope. So uh, Joseph hit it 100%. You're going to be restored back to your office of cupbearer, um, taster for the Pharaoh, and you, and not looking too good for you, buddy. It's all over. And it came to pass, just as he said. So uh, then he asked the cupbearer, what did he, oh, there was a special request. What, somebody help me remember what he asked the cupbearer. Remember me. Why do you want to be remembered? Remember. He wanted to get out of prison. He'd been in quite a while, 15 years in the prison already. And it's like, you know, is there any hope? You know, will I ever get out of here? Can you remember me, please? Tell somebody. Maybe I can get out. You know, had no idea what was uh, in the future. And a lot of times we're in our valleys and uh, it looks bleak. And... We might stop praising God, but we need to keep lifting our hands or lifting our heads and giving God praise. 
Because two years later, which now seems like nothing but to him at that time, when you're in the midst of your troubles and your battles, two years seems eternity. But uh, he does ask the, uh, the cupbearers, remember me when you uh, get out. Tell somebody, you know, what I did. So cupbearer remembers, right? No, he doesn't. Two years goes by. What triggers the cupbearer to even bring up Joseph and remember him? Pharaoh has a dream. So that's where we pick up today in Genesis 41. And if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me. And we'll start reading. Whoops. Maybe if I get up my eyeballs, we'll start reading. Chapter 41. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. And behold, he stood by the river. What's significant about the, uh, the river? Have you uh, looked at the topography of Egypt? All the crocodile. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that ain't going to help people too much. But um, without the Nile River, would they have any crops? No. So that was their life force going through there, and they had to, you know, get some caterpillar um, tractors to some dig some trenches so they could irrigate the land, right? So, uh, oh, they didn't have caterpillars. Maybe they had some photos, or at least John Deere. Oh, John Brown, they didn't have anything, man, it was rough. So they had to do it by hand. But they would use the, uh, the Nile River and do some canals to, uh, to feed off from it to irrigate their land and grow crops. So he's having his dream, and he's by the Nile River. Now, of course, that is significant because um, what the river stands for, it's life for the people in Egypt. So he's standing there by the river, um, and behold, they came up out of the river seven well-favored, um, kind and uh, oops, fat-fleshed, and they uh, fed in a meadow. That's a cow. So your version may say something different, but uh, basically he saw um, coming up out of the river seven well-favored cows, very fat-fleshed, very fat and uh, nourished and they fed in the meadows. So yeah, that's pretty good. That wouldn't scare you, right? So everything is good. But then what happens after that? So now verse 3, And behold, seven other kind came up, and af um, after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean flesh, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. So you got uh, seven fat cows, man there eating, they're all happy, and immediately... And it wasn't like another dream or anything. It was the same dream. He gets sees seven nourished and starving and um, poor cows that are just hungry, right? Come up right beside him. So now he's starting to hmm. Uh oh, what does this mean? And we're not through yet. So then, the verse four and the ill-favored and lean uh, flesh kind did eat up the seven well-flavored. Uh, flavored. Yeah, yeah, tea, I like mine well-flavored. The well-favored in fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke. So, so he has this one dream this night, and then you got seven fat cows, and then he has seven lean cows. But what happened? The seven lean cows eat up the fat ones. And this is all in the same night. Hmm. So that got him. Get you. All right. Got him. Only one, but that's all right. I got one out. Um, it was a nap, sorry. 
And uh, verse 5, And he slept and dreamed the second time in the same night. And behold, seven ears of corn came up out of one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted, meaning eh, they didn't look too well, with the eastern uh, wind sprung up after them. So now he has a second dream, separate from the first dream of the cows, and it's ears of corn. Now, what are they, uh, remember they have the Nile River. So he was standing there by the Nile River, and the Nile is the, the heart of Egypt's product, their produce. So he's seeing these now, he sees the cows, and they ate up uh, good cows, and he's seeing the good ears of corn with the bad ears of corn, eating up the, uh, taking out the good ears of corn. And this is all in the same night, and he's trying to figure out, what does this mean? And so what does he do? He calls somebody else. I mean, a good leader has got people around him that can help, and uh, hopefully full of wisdom, but uh, what about his, his people? Remember, they served what God? Sun God. Sun God, Ra. They had many, many gods. Remember, about 400 years or 200-something years later, we're going to have a little test of the gods uh, when Moses uh, says, let my people go. So um, they served all these other gods, but they didn't serve God Yahweh and uh, yud heh vav -Heh. So he has his magicians, uh, for lack of a better term, I guess, that uh, he called upon and said, hey, Somebody tell me my dream, but I'm not going to tell you what my dream was. You tell me what my dream was and give me the interpretation. How well did they do? Not good. Not good, mm. not good for them. Mm -mm. So, not, not looking good at all. Let's see. Let me do this a little better. So, uh, he tries to figure out what is these dreams all about. And it came to pass... In verse 8, and it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. Why would his spirit be troubled? And he's got these dreams he can't figure out, and they weren't happy dreams. You know, I, I rarely have a dream, but when I do, I wake up and I can't remember, but I think, well, it wasn't anything bad. So, yeah, whatever, let's keep on going, and you forget all about it, right? But he, his was troubling him because that's just not right. You know, you got seven fat cows, and they get eaten up by the these lean cows, and you got the seven ears of corn, and something not right. I got to figure out this out. So in verse eight, and it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all his magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And so he didn't just call a couple; he called everybody under the sun. I want everybody up front, close, and in person. We're gonna figure this thing out. Tell me what's going on. So he didn't uh, spare anyone. He called everybody. And Pharaoh told them his dream. But there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Verse 9, then spake the chief butler. Ah, finally the butler comes around. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? I got somebody I think might be able to help us here. Oh, tell me more. So then the uh, chief butler said unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Oh, well, you do. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. So, um, you know, I read this also, <clears throat> and Gabe mentioned on it uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, that uh, possibly Potiphar, uh, remember Potiphar, that he might have been castrated and uh, a eunuch. Uh, why would they do that? Well, because they were around a lot of women. 
um, you know, like the baker was taking food to some of the women um, that uh, was in the Pharaoh's palace. And so yeah, we're making a eunuch and we ain't worried about it, right? So what happens with our politicians if we uh, said, okay, to be a politician, you gotta be castrated. How many, how many uh, politicians would we have now? Might slim down the, the, the population of our pol politics, I mean politicians. <laughs> I'm cutting it in. Cut it. No, never mind. Never mind. So, uh, so the uh, the two uh, servants of Pharaoh they were castrated, and probably Potiphar as well, which is what Gabe was saying might have been the cause for his wife to really go after Joseph. So uh, it's all speculation and rabbis' commentaries and whatever on it. And I was reading, but um, so they were both castrated, but he remembers being in the, uh, the prison, and this guy, Joseph, man, I had a dream, and nobody could figure it out, but he told me, and he was 100% correct. And how do we determine if a prophet is truly a prophet? Everything he says comes true, and Joseph did. So um, he said, oh, Pharaoh, let me tell you, uh, this guy, Joseph, man, he, he's the man. You need to call him. So... Uh, <clears throat> Verse 11, and we dreamed a dream in one night, and I and he, which is talking about the butler, we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. In verse 12, and there was there with us a young man, a Hebrew. And remember what I said about how Egyptians felt about Hebrews or people from Israel. So immediately I can just see Pharaoh going, oh, mm, okay, yeah, what? Okay, tell me about that. Serve it to the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream, he did interpret. And it came to pass as just as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and the butler he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out, to the, out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came into Pharaoh. Now why, did he, uh, why not just bring him all unshaven and nasty and grungy and uh, why not bring him before Pharaoh that way? <clears throat> why did he have to get shaved and cleaned up? Say again? Yeah, it didn't look presentable. You know, it's like yeah, try to clean yourself up. We're going to stand before our how do we clean ourselves up? To stand before him. We try to put on righteousness, right? But can we? What, what does Paul say about our our best deeds, our best righteousness, are what? As filthy rags. So we can only do what we can do through Jesus' help. But it, I thought it was interesting, kind of parallel, that um, when Joseph was brought out of the dungeon, they cleaned him up for a shade him, probably gave him a bath, don't say it, but uh, probably uh, threw some water on him and tried to clean him up a little bit. And it's like, boy, you stink. Um, but now, you know, there's only so much they could do with him, I'm sure. But he's standing there in front of uh, Pharaoh now, all clean-shaven and new clothes and looking like uh, he just came off the street. But um, so if you're Joseph, you know that he, the Egyptians don't really think highly of Hebrews. And you already had your ups and downs, you was with Potiphar, and well, that didn't go so well, and you went back up in prison, now here's Pharaoh wanting you to interpret dreams, and Joseph seems to have this thing with dreams that get him in trouble. 
So what do you do? You uh, interpret the dream and he goes, you know what? Uh, I'm just not getting it today. Yeah, let me go back to prison, forget it. So, you know, he has the choice to make. What does he do? So let's continue on read and see. Um, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and brought him out hastily into the, uh, out of the dungeon and shaved himself and changed his raiment and came into Pharaoh. In verse 15, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream and interpret it. Verse 16, and Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. Oh, no, no, no. Don't attribute me with it. God gives Pharaoh an answer of peace. So he made known, my God, not your gods, my God can interpret the dream. But it's not Joseph. It's, it's my God who is interpreting. And 17, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven cows, fat and uh, well-looking, and they fed in a meadow. And then behold, seven other lean cows, very poor and very ill, um, such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt for uh, badness. And the lean and ill-favored cows did up, eat up the first seven cows. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them. For they were still ill-favored and skinny and poor and, and dying. It just like they were at the beginning. So then I awoke. And then next I see in my dream, behold, seven ears came up on one stalk, full and good and beautiful. Behold, seven ears with... Uh, then blasted with the east wind sprung up also with them and the thin ears devoured the seven good ears and I told this unto the magician but there was none of them that to declare it to me and Joseph said unto Pharaoh the dream that Pharaoh had is one God has showed Pharaoh what is about to do uh oh so uh, this is where you uh, open your ears and you listen to me Pharaoh the seven good uh, cows are seven years and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream, this dream is one. And then the seven thin, very poorly uh, cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears that were blasted by the east wind and um, shall be seven years of famine. So uh, now we know, okay, have they ever had a famine before? Do they know how bad a famine can be? They've never really experienced the famine before. So, you know, do you, as the pharaoh, go, man, that's hogwash. Yeah, you put him back in prison. Or do you pay attention? Do you listen? Well, we know the story, of course, and he obviously listens and, and heeds the warning. But Pharaoh could have just as easily said, nah, I'm not buying that. Look at our land. I mean, we're looking great here. So, uh, <clears throat> but Joseph said, no, man, I'm telling you, it's going to become great years and just as quick as lightning, it's going to turn around and it's going to be very bad. It's not going to be like a slow four or five years and then it really gets bad. It's going to be good this year and next year it's going to be bad. So um, that's what your dream is saying because they eat, um, the lean cows eat up the fat cows very quickly. So this is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. And behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt. Forgotten. You won't even remember. Oh, remember last year we had a great... Yeah, forget it, I'm hungry. 
Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. It ain't going to look good, Pharaoh. And for that dream was um, doubled unto Pharaoh twice, it is because this thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. And I've heard uh, so-called prophets, we'll put that in quote marks, air marks or whatever, so-called prophets, so, you know, um, God's always going to show his servants before he does something or whatever, and they try to use that to stand on, and sometimes... Several years later, it's like, mm, that didn't all come true, so yeah, scratch that one. But um, so be careful and have discernment when you're listening to prophets and uh, make sure it's of God. Make sure they didn't have a bad uh, food day or something. Let's see, now verse 33, Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man, discreet and wise, who might that be, and set him over the land of Egypt. Discreet and wise, why discreet? Why, uh, why he's got to be discreet? Hmm. Verse 34, let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt to the seven uh, plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be um, for store up to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of all of his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is in? Hmm. All right, well, you told me uh, what we need. Uh, we need a man that's wise and discreet. Uh, anybody know anyone like that? Uh, anybody come to mind? Have you seen anyone walking on the streets? Uh, what about, no, 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 forget him. Man. He can't even walk straight. Never forget that one. Pharaoh said unto uh, Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as you are. So, verse 40, Thou shalt be over my house. So, Pharaoh didn't really take a whole lot of time, right? He's like, hmm, yeah, I'm not looking around here, seeing anyone, magicians didn't really know anything. You were the only, hey, what about you? Yeah, you may as well, you're as good as any. All right, you got the position, hired. So, uh, sort of like Gabe's talking about him going into the uh, store and getting the job right away. Joseph uh, stood and said who it was, and he got the job. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Hmm. Verse 40, Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto my word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Oh, here we go back to Potiphar again. Okay, all right, how well is this going to work out? Verse 41, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand. Why is that significant? What's the ring for? Authority. To seal. Right. I heard somebody say seal. So he took off his ring and gave it to Joseph. Mm. Of course, we also heard that with uh, Judah. Uh, he took off his ring and gave it to somebody for authority. Oh, no. There was authority over him. Yeah, prostitute. Yeah, whoops, wrong story. Um, and Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. So now, what did he have when he was thrown in the well? He had something on then. A tunic. What kind of robe, though? Not just any robe. Many colors. I heard somebody say, yeah, it had many colors and 
very special, right? And his brothers all loved him for that, and like, man, our brother's the best. He's a bomb, right? Oh, no. A little jealousy going on there. Huh. The boy thinks he's something. We've got all these dreams. We're going to be bound down to him, and mom and dad will be too. And yeah, yeah, let's throw him and we'll end that prophecy all together. And we're done with his dreams. So we see that playing out today. What are the uh, Arabs trying to do? If we can get rid of Israel, then God's word is not going to come true because yeah, Israel will be here and that won't happen. So they're all coming against Israel. So how well are they going to do? Not very well. It's going to be interesting. Sit back, boys, grab your popcorn. It's going to be a show. So gather around. Um, so yeah, he uh, brings out a, a, a vesture of fine linen and puts a gold chain about his neck. All right, and so now Joseph's stepping up. He's got a gold chain. He's got a nice robe again. Oh, my brothers could see me now. Verse 43, and it made him uh, to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, bow the knee, and be made, uh, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. Okay, so you're 17 years old, and for 13 years you've been in prison. And now all of a sudden you go from prison to being the second man in charge of a country. Does that go to your head? Can it go to your head? Uh, a lot of people would be like, mm, yeah, let's see. I got to get rid of yep, I'm get him. Yeah, I remember him in prison, taking him out. Let's see, I'm, yep, getting that written. Yep. Yeah, I got a whole list of people I want to get rid of. Part of her wife. Yeah, she's done. Yep, she's out. So, uh, but does he do that? I mean, could he? Probably could have. Just speak the word and he can make it happen. So here he is, went from being a prisoner to the second in charge, and how do you handle that? So, um, whoops, where did I go, where did I go? Somebody tell me what verse I was on. 44. 40, oh, 44, yeah. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am, uh, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. So again, Joseph could have probably taken out all uh, Pharaoh's wife or Potiphar's wife, I mean, and uh, maybe some other enemies and maybe even his brothers, you know. But uh, Pharaoh called Joseph's name. Oh, wait a minute. He changed his name. Uh, Zephanath Paneah. Oh. And he gave him a wife, Asenath. Man, Joseph's stepping up. So how did his father, Jacob, get his wife? Remember the story? I mean, here's Joseph. He's got a he's gonna get a fine Jewish woman for a bride. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Is Asanath a uh, Jew? No. She's a oh. Well, she serves God, I'm sure. Yeah, the one true God, right? Yeah. So oh no, she doesn't? Gee. So what does God say about um, mixed bondage or getting yoked with the wrong person uh, it doesn't seem too good so far joseph is hebrew and worshiping god yahweh and he's got not only we're going to find out later not only does she not serve yahweh she's serving ra the uh egyptian god the sun god how well is that going to mix and who's going to who's going to be dominant in the family you know the, you see two people getting married and 
usually one's going to be more dominant than the other one and go, oh, no, we're going to this church, we're going, we're going to change that, we're going to do this and whatever. So who's going to win out in this? I mean, here's Joseph. What has he got to claim? I've been a prisoner for 13 years. Listen to me. But uh, so interesting um, twist here in this story. Verse 45, and, Joseph, and Pharaoh called to Joseph, named Zephaniah, uh, Zeph, I can't say this fast, I told you I'm in L.A., uh, Zephaniah Paneah, and he gave him a wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Remember the word priest there. Priest of On was the, uh, the Ra, uh, god of Ra, or the sun god. And Joseph went out over the, all the land of Egypt, and Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went out through all, throughout all of the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, uh, the earth brought forth by handfuls, and he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt. Now, when it says all the uh, food of Egypt, did he grab all the food? He couldn't want. What are the people going to eat? I mean, they're growing their crops to eat, right? So it says all, but all doesn't always mean all. I know that sounds strange, but um, so I... Right. So whatever it took to sustain them, the rest of it that was over and abundant, that they were going to tuck to the market and uh, sell or whatever, um, and that's speculation. Not written in the Bible, so don't, don't, hold, don't hang your hat on that. But anyway, um, I'm just thinking of all the, land, uh, the food that couldn't be taken to market and uh, sold. He took it and put it in storehouses because he knew there was going to be seven bad years coming. So, um, and I'm thinking it probably like a fifth, maybe, or a tenth of the food uh, they stored aside. You really don't know. But uh, so he started storing it up. Now he's married to Asenath and they're having children. And has they have they seen any famine yet? No, they haven't seen famine yet. So she's married to somebody and I can just imagine you ladies, you know, you go to a, a wedding shower, um, you know, for someone. Oh, who's your husband going to be? Oh, man, he he was the head of the prison. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. How did he get in there? Well, he was he's a slave. and yeah. So how well do you think the ladies uh, talked about her new prosperous uh, prospect for a husband? Oh, wow, winner, huh? So uh, same thing with the uh, baby shower. Um, you know, so what did you name him? Oh, it must have been some interesting conversations there. So anyway, so he gets married to Asenath, and we don't really hear a lot about Asenath after this uh, very much. She just kind of disappears, but she does have two children with him. But anyway, he uh, gathers up all the food of the seven years in which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field, which were around uh, about our, every city, and he laid it up uh, the same. And Joseph gathered corn and, uh, as the sand of the sea, which means he gathered a whole lot of corn, very much, until he left numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph was born two sons before the years of famine, which Asenath, daughter of uh, Potiphar, priest. So um, first we hear him called prince, and now we hear him priest, the priest of On, bear unto him. And Joseph called the name, oh, wait a minute, the mom didn't name them. Uh, who called, let's see, Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God, said he, hath made me forget all of my toil and all of my father's house. Huh. I wonder if uh, Asenath had any say-so in the naming. So she'll surely get to name the second one, right? I mean, that's the way my wife, ex-wife and I did. I said, no, 
I want my boy to be named Benjamin because, you know, the Bible and, and whatever. And my daughter's like, all right, name her whatever. She wanted to go with what her mom was going to name uh, the last child, which turned out to be a boy. So instead of naming um, Sue or something, it's like, nope, I'll name this. So anyway, so he didn't, uh, we're going to see that he didn't even let her name the second one either. So he names the first one Manasseh, forgetting all of the tools. Did he have any tools uh, for the last 13 years? Yeah, he was in prison. He had a lot, of, a lot of ups and downs. But 52, and the name of the second call, he, uh, Ephraim, for God hath called me to be fruitful in the land of my afflictions. So Joseph winds up naming both of the uh, boys. Verse 53, and the seven years of Plinius that was in the land of Egypt were ended. Uh-oh, here we come. So verse 54 is where doomsday comes. And the seven years of dearth began to come. I love that word, dearth. According to, um, as Joseph had said, and the dearth was in all the lands, uh, but in the land of Egypt there was bread. Now when he says all the land, again, um, you know, we don't know about 2,000 miles away. We, we're talking about the, like uh, Egypt and Israel, Asia, countries and whatever. People in um, Russia probably, had no idea whatever but uh, they didn't they weren't coming down to Egypt it was just kind of a general area there anyway and uh, 55 and when all the land of Egypt was famished the people cried to Pharaoh for bread wait a minute I thought uh, Joseph had stored up food why were they having to cry out for bread because uh, Joseph was not going to let them get any until they had exhausted Anything that they might have saved up and said, oh, I'm going to save this for a rainy day, and I know he's gathering, but yeah, I ain't never seen famine here, and don't trust it, don't believe him. Um, because, quite honestly, I don't believe everybody trusted Joseph to be right. And uh, so they probably hid some land, and he made them cry out for food before he said, How bad you want food? All right. And so when they cried out to Pharaoh, um, and Pharaoh said unto uh, all the Egyptians, Go into Joseph. What he had set uh, for you to do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened up the storehouses and sold. Ooh, no, they got to buy it now. And sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And verse 57, and all the countries came to Egypt. And again, this would be just local countries uh, most likely around them. All the countries came into Egypt and uh, for Joseph to buy corn from him because that the famine was so sore in all the lands. So, um... So now, it's showtime for Joseph, right? So uh, he told the king what was on the pharaoh. I mean, he told the pharaoh what was going to happen, and lo and behold, famine did come. And all right, so you had this great idea, and you said you was going to uh, have a plan. So what's the plan, Joseph? But uh, oh, Viceroy, um, I just wanted to let you see. You know, I, I told you I don't know big words, and this is a big word. Person anointed to rule a country or province as a deputy of the uh, sovereign, the viceroy of India, a brightly marked American butterfly. I have, yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah. So anyway, that was from the dictionary. I just thought I'd throw that in. And uh, Potiphar. So I always had this question. Um, well, you know, sort of like uh, saying, you know, I'm, I'm like Anthony, and I read, and it's like, yeah, okay. So the Pharaoh gave him my wife. Uh, it wasn't Pharaoh, right? It was Potiphar. So is Potiphar that threw him in prison, the same as Potiphar that uh, gave him his wife. Hmm. See, I, there's a question, and then I'm not going to give you the answer because I don't know the answer, and I don't have the answer. So, but 
tell you some of my uh, studies that I read. Potiphar, an Egyptian name, also written as Potiphar, which signifies belonging to the sun. Uh oh, uh, sun god Ra. Potiphar, with whom the history of Joseph connected, is described as an officer of Pharaoh, chief of the executioners, an Egyptian. So uh, that was his job before. He was the chief of the executioners in the uh, Pharaoh's prison. Now, not just the general prison, but this was, these were uh, prisoners of Pharaoh. He appears to have been a wealthy man. The view we have of Potiphar's household is exactly in accordance with the representations on the monuments. When Joseph was accused, his master contented himself with casting him into prison. Now, he could have had him killed. But after this, we hear no more of Potiphar. Um, this is Genesis 39, verses 19 and 20. So we don't hear anything else. So some of the commentaries or some of the rabbi um, writings that are read said he uh, left that and decided to become a priest of On. And his name got changed to Potiphar. So we don't know for sure, but it's been suggested Potiphar was a prince, not only a priest. A Jewish legend makes him the same person as Potiphar, whose wife was in love with Joseph and whose false accusation got him thrown into prison. So how interesting, who gave him the wife, Asenath? Potiphar does. Wait a minute, wait a minute, didn't I get thrown into prison because of supposedly attacking your wife? And you, now you're going to, oh, okay, and do I trust her? I don't know. Carol, did you have a question? Potiphar. Yes. Good question. And that goes back to Mike's Josh question. We got a lot of questions from this chapter, right? Yeah. So her question was, so how would he have a daughter if he was a eunuch? Oh. Honestly, I don't, but I'd have to look that up and find out. So her question was, you know, the, uh, the Bible says to uh, may our sons uh, be like uh, Ephraim and Manasseh. And um, if I knew anything about that, and unfortunately I don't, I'm going to uh, probably call on Gabe. So Gabe, if you're listening, we've got a question for you. Anyway, um, no, I'll also look for you as well. I just had to tease Gabe if he's watching. But uh, that's a good question. We have, Like I said, we have a lot of questions from this chapter. So... Maybe he had the daughter before he became a uh, eunuch, uh, you know, possibly. Yeah, maybe he wasn't. Maybe he never became a eunuch. We don't know. But a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Jason. There's a lot of traditions. Say that again. So, as to us, mm -hmm. so she could be from Jacob's family. Uh, mm. Yeah, a lot of twists and turns in the scripture. We don't know for sure. Uh, I don't think anybody was born back then. And, and actually, uh, no, it's for sure, but a lot of speculations, a lot of things. Uh, also, in the uh, 
about the river Nile. The only time in, that it uses the Hebrew word yeor uh, is here in verse 1 of chapter 41. The, the rest of the scriptures has a different name for the, the little canals that's growing on, but this was, uh, with the exception of the Nile, none of the other rivers are called your word signifying canal because the entire country consists of arti artificially constructed canals and the waters of uh, Nile flow into them. So that's where they use the caterpillar um, equipment to dig the trenches. Oh, yeah, that never, I mean, that must take them a while. Anyway, I'm like, can you imagine? And I was, you know, army, which, uh, yeah, I'm sure you, you know, went to the mess sergeant on my knees and said, mess sergeant, mess sergeant, feed me, please. And mess sergeant said with a big old grand boy, if you want to be infantry, you've got to be thin. So maybe some slim famine days for you as well. I wish you all the best. God bless. Um, so, you know, the, uh, the, the canal, the, uh, the, na the now, easy for me to say now. Um, Bobby, I need some more coffee. Where's Bobby at? I need some more coffee. I can't speak. Anyway, the Nile River uh, was the lifeline of Egypt, and they dug can, uh, little subsidiaries from that to uh, to help feed the land or water the land. So Asenath marries Joseph, and Pharaoh arranged for him to marry. Now this is seemed to be very soon after he becomes um, the second in command. Why would that? Why would he? get a new name, get new clothing, and get a wife, and what, what's the purpose of all of that? They can keep in, yeah, trying to keep the Egyptians from thinking he's a Hebrew. Let's make him look like us, right? If he smells like us, he walks like us, looks like us, yeah, maybe everybody will believe that he is one of us, and that's true. So how far do you go if you're Joseph? How far do you go with that? You know, you want to be in, you want to be uh, liked, you want to be uh, respected a little bit, right? You don't want to be uh, spit at as you walk by. So, yeah, you want to try to fit in a little bit. So he gets the uh, Egyptian wife instead of a Hebrew wife, gets him a nice uh, new uh, rags to put on. Well, they probably weren't rags. They were probably nice. Um, but he married to a high-born Egyptian woman, so she's got some status and... Uh, well, you know, he's married, he's married to, uh, I don't know, um, I hate to pick on Hillary Clinton, but uh, he's married to Hillary Clinton. She's a lawyer, she's this, you know, oh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, Bill Clinton might be all right, all right. So uh, some of the name kind of helped pull him along, maybe. I don't know. So the young woman chosen for, uh, was Asenath, a high-born aristocratic Egyptian woman, the daughter of Potiphera, a priest of An, and An was another name for the... Uh, uh, Elitheopolis, uh, I told you, man, yeah, I'm Southern, and you do it too well with these names, which was the religious center of Ra, the God representing the sun. So Asenath was brought up uh, the super respectable atmosphere of priest household. She was very literate and well-educated, uh, so she wasn't no dumb woman. She was astute enough to agree to an advantageous, if somewhat unexpected marriage. Now, how would it be advantageous for her? Second in command, yeah. So sometimes you see marriages, uh, yeah, well, not who I wanted, but yeah, well, let's see, he's second in command. Yeah, I can live with him, you know? And uh, you see some of these marriages, and I don't wanna offend anyone, but uh, see some of these uh, women that are like 30 year old and the man's 75, 80 years old and go, hmm, hmm, you know? But so some of the Egyptians may have looked at her and gone, 
Hmm, especially at the uh, the wedding shower. So who's your daughter marrying? Hmm, okay. But anyway, so it was kind of a uh, advantageous for her as well uh, to be married to the second in command. But I'd be thinking, okay, well, he didn't last too long as the head of the prison. So how long is he going to be Potiphar's second-hand man? Or not Potiphar's, uh, Pharaoh's second-hand man. Also, Asenath, her uh, sword is liberated with apocryphal uh, Joseph and Asenath. There's, she is a virgin who rejects several worthy suitors in favor of Joseph. Now, is this scriptural? No. Uh, but Joseph will not have a pagan for a wife. So she locks herself in, lore, um, in a tower and rejects her idolatry in favor of Joseph, uh, God, Yahweh, and receives a visit from an angel who accepts her conversion. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of Jewish writings out there, and you kind of read them and take them what they are, it's just readings. But um, this was a ritual involving honeycomb, follows, and Joseph now consists to marry her. I, I don't know whether I buy it or not, but uh, there it is. It, there's other interesting things that I read along the way, and just thought I'd toss out a couple, and you uh, do your own research and figure out what you want to believe and read. Uh, Joseph was given a new name, Zephanah Hanah. Oh my goodness, what does Zephanah Hanah mean? Um, big long name, it means one who clarifies secrets. So he interpreted dreams, so yeah, that's a good name for him. He clarifies secrets. Um, so the, Joseph's marriage to the priest's uh, daughter made him outwardly Egyptian, but it was not a religious uh, capitulation. Meaning he uh, said, yeah, I'll, I'll take on your daughter and I'll take on the Egyptian name, but my God, my God is my God and I won't change. For me and my house, what uh, um, Joshua say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Joseph does the same thing. He made uh, this clear by unambiguously, uh, another one in big long words, Naming God is a source of interpretation. It is not I, but God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So uh, as God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Altogether, these changes wrought by Pharaoh were a message of others to jo uh, that Joseph, though still a Hebrew, was fully accepted at the Egyptian court and integrated into the Egyptian way of life. So Joseph did want to try to fit in a little bit and try to make uh, himself smell and um, look like an Egyptian. Uh, probably did a little Egyptian dance. I don't know. Um, in particular, Joseph's Egyptian wife was a visible sign that he was one of us. So, so Joseph, uh, right from the start, Joseph in prison. Uh, why is it important that uh, when he was released from uh, prison, the Bible notes that he was shaved and given a change of clothes? Well, Hebrews were not clean shaven usually. They had long beards. I mean, when we read uh, Abraham or whatever. And we typically think of long beards and unshaven. And here the Egyptians, they shaved their head and their face. So they had no facial hair, no hair at all on their head. So I would have fit pretty good in there, uh, pretty well on my way to a bald head. Hebrews uh, wore homespun woolen cloth, while the Egyptians wore linen or cotton wraparound skirts. Uh, so there was a lot of differences between Hebrew, I mean uh, Israel and Egypt. Um, which was their neighbor, you know, their next door neighbors, but there was a lot of differences in the way they kept their body and the way they uh, dressed. Seemingly unimportant detail contained a message uh, for the diaspora, diaspora Jews, which is diaspora Jews, thank you for the correction, is what Joseph was. He was um, part of 
diaspora uh, being sent down to, uh, decided to move down there. Well, he didn't really decide to, he didn't have a choice. Integrated as far as he can into the host community if you want to succeed. So he did try to assimilate as much as possible. And uh, Asimov has two sons, and they're both named by Joseph. Um, so, you know, I'm just wondering at the baby shower, so what are you going to name him? Well, uh, my husband's going to name him. Oh, why? Uh, notice that both of these names are from Joseph's point of view, not uh, hers. There can be little doubt of who the dominant party or the bar dominant par partner was in the marriage. And I'm sure he gave... Uh, Gave her some leeway on some things, but there were some things when, as far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. So hopefully you got something out of that. But yeah, go ahead. Like Ephraim and Manasseh. Right. So, Tracy, what she was saying is the name, which, remember, um, Tanya, I'm sorry, no, I'm saying Tracy, she's the one that asked the question originally. Um, Tanya is saying that the name uh, speaks a lot of volume to it because of what it means. And, of course, Israel, even today, um, we had a tour guide, her name was Leah. I mean, they, they all, and she's proud of what her name means. Um, but all the names have significant meaning. And um, so when we're speaking Ephraim and Manasseh over them, we're speaking that blessing over them. But, you know, I'm sure there's more. There's a lot more. Rich. The blessing that Israel gave to, oh, it could be, or that Jacob gave to uh, Ephraim and Manasseh. It could be. Exactly. Yep. So, could be more. And so we we're not done yet, but that's very good possibilities. But yeah, the uh, the name meant a lot. Even when I was a child, I remember my dad saying, "Your name is your word." And if you ever mess it up, then your name is done, right? So, um, name is important. Although we don't take it so much in America today, it's like, yeah, whatever. Name him. Uh, name him Sue. Boy named Sue. Okay. Hmm. Uh, let's see. I heard somebody. Oh, Jackie. I can't hear you. Hang on. Fans, boy. The children were adopted in, yeah, as a part of the land. Right. True. Yeah, when Jacob blessed them, they became part of the tribe, 12 tribes. Not Joseph. Joseph didn't get a uh, partition, right? Only the two sons, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, very interesting. They, the uh, two tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh um, had a portion in the land of Egypt. I mean, not Egypt, uh, Israel. Boy, blowing everything today. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, interesting. So, also... Um, just some thoughts that I had from uh, today's lesson was uh, Joseph resilience. Like I said, if it had been me, I'd probably been like, you know, I, I've been up, I've been down, I've had enough of this roller coaster, I'm through. It just 
toss me away, kill me, whatever, I'm, I'm done. Um, but Joseph was like, kept fighting for the Lord, giving God praise, um, standing strong, even when things looked so bleak and uh, hopeless for him. Um, and trust me, when you've been in prison 10, 12 years, things probably look a little bleak for you. Uh, also, I thought it was interesting, um, the brother's determination to save Joseph biological or maternal brother Benjamin. Um, they just tossed Joseph in a well and said, yeah, get rid of him. We don't care about him. Why would they try to take such good care of Benjamin? Was he their maternal brother? He wasn't. He was uh, Rachel's son. So why would they take such great care of Benjamin? Carol? Very, very well could be. Uh, so what she's saying is, they saw what happened with Joseph, how it, it affected um, Jacob. So they're like, eh, we don't want to see this happen again, so we're going to take good care of it. That's very possible. Bobby? Could be. Well, he had the two dreams originally, remember, so he may be thinking, hmm, and what Bobby is saying is maybe because, uh, you know, he got in this position, he's starting to think, or trying to piece everything together, and going, hmm, maybe God has something in store for me, so let me take this position and see what comes of it. Right, his mom and dad bowing down to him. Yeah, so now it's starting, now the puzzle's starting to come together. And he's like, okay, maybe this is how it happens. And and truly it does, you know. Now, not his mom doesn't because she's passed, of course, but um, so his dream does come to truth or to fruition. Um, but yeah, I was kind of uh, inspired, I guess, of the when I was reading back, because I was reading back two or three chapters before and, and trying to uh, put it all together, and I was just found it interesting how they go to great lengths to save uh, Benjamin. And, and of course, uh, one of the ways that we know if somebody's really repented is like Peter when he denied Christ three times. Did, did he get a second chance to do a do-over, so to speak? Yeah, Jesus came back and asked him three times, Peter, did you love him? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So he got a chance to, um, to acknowledge Christ and not deny him. And uh, so we have the same thing with every other situation. If somebody is in the same exact situation and they don't make the same mistake and folly that they made before, you know they've repented. So that's kind of what I see with uh, Benjamin is they could have gotten rid of him as well, but... Uh, so like, all right, let uh, let this guy from Egypt have him. We're going to go on our merry way. Okay, sorry, Dad, we lost him. We had to get food, and he was our ticket. You know, but they fought to try to get him, and uh, were not only fought, but they were very heartbroken and uh, troubled by him having to stay there. And Joseph's watching. Of course, they don't know Joseph is their brother yet, but Joseph is setting them up with uh, Benjamin to see what their reaction would be. 
And so I'm thinking he saw, hmm, yep, this was from God. God's the reason that I'm here, not because of them selling me into uh, slavery. Anyway, just some, some of my thoughts. Any other questions or thoughts before we quit? No? Awesome. Well, thank you so much. My apology had to do with me, but uh, I appreciate you listening, and uh, you're very kind. So thank you again. But we'll do the, uh, the bread and the kiddush, the, uh, the bread and wine.